0: So, quite a fall in the Aussie dollar this morning. Some of it to do with yesterday's inflation number, but let's not assume that's going to stop the RBA next week. Some of it to do with the China slowdown and the falling CNY, and some of it perhaps to do with the hawk fest at Sintra, where everyone was talking it up, except the Japanese. And that common theme, higher wages getting passed on to higher prices, that's an Aussie problem too, and that seems it's going to continue until, what, we're all in recession? It's Thursday, the 29th of June, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar's up half a percent on the DXY this morning. The Aussie has fallen further than that, though. It's down 1.3% this morning, dipping below 66 US cents on the overnight session. The Kiwi dollar falling even further down 1.4%. Not quite as bad, but still a big fall for the pound. It's down 0.9%. The euro is down 0.4%. And equities, very mixed. The Nasdaq continues to push ahead. It's up 0.3% at close, but the S&P finishing ever so slightly in the red. The Dow down a quarter percent, but European equities much higher, up 0.9% for the Euro stocks 50, 0.6% for the DAX, and half a percent for the FTSE 100. The Nikkei, incidentally, yesterday up 2%, 27% up so far this year. What a difference low interest rates can make, and uh, for now, and bond yields falling, 10-year Treasuries down 5 basis points, down 10 in Canada, 6 in the UK, down 4 in Germany. Australian 10-year yields fell 6 basis points yesterday, down to 3.87%. You can take another few basis points on off that on futures overnight. And oil, well, you know, falling equities, rising bond prices, you might have thought that there was a, a more cautious attitude. Well, it's not showing in oil today because WTI is up 2.1%, getting back closer to $70. Brent is up 1.9%, nudging over $74 earlier. Spot Gold, though, was down 0.8% at one stage uh, in its uh, session low, uh, which takes it to the lowest point since mid March. Uh, but maybe the fact that the dollar is up explains some of that. But let's start with this fall in the Aussie dollar because it is quite a marked fall. Uh, does the better than expected CPI read yesterday have a bit to do with that? Here's NAB's Tapa Strickland. I mean, is that the case, uh, lower inflation means lower a- end rates perhaps and a little less interest in Aussie bonds, so the Aussie dollar is a little less popular? Is it as straightforward as that? Is that what's happening? A good morning, Phil. Yes, it
1: was a pretty volatile
0: night overnight, and really for the Aussie it's
1: been driven by two things. So the first one is the softer-than-expected monthly CPI indicator that we did get yesterday. And the other one has been some weakness that's going on in China. That's been a theme uh, in markets over the past couple of weeks we've been talking about. And the key thing there was the PBOC skipped a day of setting a stronger CNY reference rate. And uh, the prior day, they had set a stronger reference rate. So not really protesting the depreciation in the CNY we had seen so far. And then on top of that, in terms of China, you had two other news pieces that added to that weaker tone. You had a fairly weak industrial profits number, and you also had a uh, headline that the US was contemplating more chip restrictions in terms of exports to China.
0: So on the other one, the other influence, Australia's inflation. I mean, the headline number was down 5.6% in May. This is the lowest read since April last year. Great, you'd say, but you take out the volatile items, including travel, it's gone from 6.5% to 6.4%. Not exactly a big move.
1: Yes, and I think it's quite important not to be head faked by this set of data. The monthly CPI indicator is a relatively new statistic and people are still getting used to the seasonality inherent in many of the components there. And it's very important, although that headline number did dip, the core measure, the one excluding fuel, fruit and vegetables and travel, which you mentioned, was largely unchanged at, at 6.4% year on year. And indeed, when you look at the seasonally adjusted version of that number, it was actually unchanged at 6.5% year on year. So still very, very strong inflationary pressures and certainly more than what the headline number would have suggested. For us, when we looked into the details, it was a little bit more worrying on the services side and really still showing that services inflation is looking sticky in Australia as it is offshore. And the RBA has been citing that risk. and has been part of the reason why the RBA has surprised markets over the past couple of months by, by hiking rates. And just to give you some indication for sticky services inflation, insurance prices rose 5.3% over the past three months to May, and it was up 14.2% year on year. So that's a marked acceleration from an already high um, recent outcomes um, if you go into the hairdresser, that rose 2.2% over the past three months, and is up 7.1% year-on-year. On year. And one more, I just wanted to highlight was uh, takeaway fast food. And although this is technically a good and not a service, it did rise 2.7% uh, and is up 9.2% year-on-year. Year. So all those kind of components that do have a fairly large labour. Cost component towards it is showing uh, stickiness in services inflation. That's going to make it very hard for the RBA to navigate getting back to 3% by mid 2025 without further hiking rates. So we think this data is is, is, uh, broadly consistent with the RBA hiking rates further. Probably in our view, they're going to be hiking towards 4.6%. We've penciled in July and August. When you look at the market reaction, um, markets are heading into next week, pricing about a 34% chance of a move in July. And you'd have to say after today's data and just given how the RBA has been reacting to the data, it's going to be another finely balanced decision and you would be looking at a kind of like a 50-50 probability heading into that meeting. But just given services inflation is high, inflation is looking pretty sticky and the economy overall is resilient, there's very good arguments why the RBA needs to continue to hike rates and why they should go again in July.
0: So is that, I mean, I, I, t- I talked about, you know, and you're the economist, not me, but just about how maybe one of the reasons the, the Aussie dollar is is, uh, is is so much lower uh, is because, yeah, people aren't piling into bonds because they're not expecting rates to rise quite as much as they were, perhaps, or m- more to the point, as much as they're expecting other countries. Because obviously Philip Lowe wasn't there in Sintra talking it up, trying to out hawk. Uh, everyone else on a panel at Cintra. So has that got a bit to do with it as well, do you
1: think? Yes, I think it's a a small uh, revising down of where uh, terminal pricing is in Australia. I think it was by about um, four or five basis points. So that was partly behind the moving bonds they did see. But given now people are more concerned that the RBA will have to hike rates further, especially given sticky services inflation, there's Mm. greater talk about rising recession risk. And there's been a few headlines Overnight, uh, amongst a few asset managers saying they're starting to look at Aussie bonds again, uh, particularly at the longer end, as a buying opportunity there. Because if Australia does unfortunately go into a recession, then obviously there will be a situation where the RBA is going to be cutting rates. And then obviously the value of those bonds do, do rise in that scenario.
0: But this stickiness of, of services inflation, I mean, that is not a, an Australian only phenomenon, obviously. I mean, uh, it was talked about at Sintra quite a bit. So Gita Gopinath from the IMF spoke about it, about the upside risk that inflation in, in all strong economies, you know, the, the costs are being passed on. Uh, workers feel they can, uh, they can ask for wages. So you've got uh, those wage costs then being absorbed in, in higher prices. And so the, you know, and so the circle goes on. Uh, I mean that—that that is the concern, isn't it? I don't know how you quite get out of that because that's where the stickiness is coming from. Isn't yes, it?
1: well, the way you get out of that, unfortunately, is you've got to lower either demand growth or you've got to lower the level of demand to put those competitive pressures back onto firms, basically, to absorb a higher share of those rising yeah. input costs. And so just hence, rec- coding, hence,
0: hence the recession fears that we're seeing. Yes, yeah,
1: definitely. Although saying that, the data has been incredibly resilient to. to to date, yeah, some um, more hikes. saying that there was a really inter- good paper by the Biz, uh last Friday, and also Lagarde's speech uh, the day before yesterday, all talking about if wages are to rise, and it looks like workers are being able to lift up their. Wages And hopefully can recover some of the lost in real wages that they have seen over the past couple of years. Back of the envelope calculation suggests for inflation to go back to target, profits on average would need to decline by about 2.5% per year in 2023 and 2024. Um, If you don't see that decline in real, real profits, then it's going to take longer for inflation to get back the target.
0: Right. And yet you've got Governor Rader, the odd man out, sitting at that panel at Sintra uh, saying that he believed, you know, he was quite happy with inflation where it was. He believed that, you know, the real rate was sitting uh, below their 2% target. I'm not sure many people uh, agree with him. But meanwhile, I mean, what have they got? They've got high growth at 2.7%. Uh, they've got Japanese shares, a massive rise in shares in Japan so far this year. So, uh, I mean, if they do start moving to to uh, monetary tightening, I mean, is this a, a deck of that's, that's waiting to fall? Oh, I,
1: th- I think so. And I thought it was really fascinating. Uh, Sarah Eisen, who was the panel moderator there, posed a question to Ueda about whether he was worried that he would repeat the errors of his fellow panel guests when they were calling inflation as being transitory back in 2021. Um, and he seemed a bit stumped for that answer. So uh, maybe they haven't given as much thought or maybe he's just um, holding his cards pretty close to to his chest in terms of um, any Changes in policy, but with uh, inflation, with core inflation above target, uh, looking like it's broadly repeating what's going on globally, just with the longer lag, it does suggest it's just a matter of time uh, before the Bank of Japan is forced to change its YCC and start the rate hike cycle as well.
0: So that panel, uh, so Bailey, Powell, Lagarde, and Radio, everyone really did uh, stick to stick to the script, didn't they? So Powell, uh, sort of saying, well, you know, the the, the future pauses may not happen. Uh, you know, the idea of skips. Maybe they will have to do consecutive meetings. Uh, you know, at least he said that's not off the table anyway. Yes,
1: and that did get a little bit of a market reaction. You did see the two-year yield spike up about four basis points, but then move back. And all the comments by the major three central banks at a hiking rate. So the Bank of uh, so the um, Bank of England, the ECB, and the Fed was broadly in line with what they had been saying prior to. That meeting. So when you look at market pricing for uh, the Fed for the July meeting, uh, pricing is about 79%. And just prior to the meeting, I think pricing was um, was 74%. So only just incrementally moved up. And there's still about 29.8 basis points of hikes cumulatively priced for the rest of this year. Whereas uh, yesterday, it was at 28 basis points. So not a huge market reaction to those kind of words, but just does reinforce that central bank heads are still relatively hawkish, uh, still seeing that kind of yep. sticky inflation, and still very very perplexed about how tight the labour market is. Uh,
0: Well, because everyone keeps on pushing prices up and uh, passing the cost on because there's obviously money still out there in the economy, isn't there? So Christine Lagarde pretty much confirmed, didn't she, a hike for July? I mean, that comes as no surprise, the ninth one in a row, until they see tangible evidence that prices are easing, basically, she said, or stabilising. But if, if the economy slows down further in Europe, I mean, will they stick with it, even if inflation is taking a long time to come down? I mean, how do they manage the lag? In fact, there's a question for every central bank, isn't it? How do you manage the lag between growth slowing or or, uh, heading into recession and waiting for inflation? I mean, do you still... Uh, lift rates when the economy is slowing down so much? I mean, we saw a sign of falling confidence. I mean, it's it's an early sign, but, I mean, consumer confidence in Europe was starting to climb back. Now it's starting to climb back down again. Uh, so, I mean, just just how far do you push it? It's a very good question and very hard question to answer. Uh, in prior
1: cycles, you probably wouldn't have wanted to wait until the unemployment rate had started rising because once it starts rising, it generally continues to trend higher. But in this situation, just given the uncertainty, given how high inflation is and how sticky it's looking, it could be that central banks have to continue to hike until they start to see labour markets starting to loosen up. As soon as you see that loosening up, then you want to go on pause. And then with the possibility of having to ease thereafter as the economy deteriorates more meaningfully. But it could be quite possible. And we have seen it over the past year. You get slower headline growth figures or even negative growth figures. But the labour markets just remain incredibly tight.
0: Well Andrew Bailey uh, you know acknowledged the markets have got uh, hikes priced in that may not happen we 'll see uh, was, uh <laughs> was his line that was the that, I took that as meaning i really don 't know uh, but I guess nobody does do they really so tell me also just going back to australia so uh the uh, the, the, the rise in the Australian budget surplus. What does that mean? Because in theory, if that money is now sitting with the government rather than being spent out there in the economy, then that is, in effect, a, a withdrawal from the from the money supply. So that could have uh, – I mean, that that's like a, a fiscal tightening effect, isn't it? It,
1: it would be good. Um, so the Treasurer Chalmers uh, did report a couple of months ago that he was expecting a budget surplus for 2022-23 of $4.2 billion, And it looks like that number is going to be a lot larger than that. And so that would be broadly – supportive, as long as that money is saved and not spent, then that would help uh, fight against uh, inflation. I've seen some back of the envelope estimates saying uh, for every $8 billion that the budget in surplus, then that can be almost equivalent to a 25 basis point uh, move in rates. Um, So, uh, a lot of people in Australia, just because people are very conscious of the mortgage pain um, out there because of higher rates, they're asking what alternative policies are there out there. And the government budget is the biggest policy tool out there. Government has been very reluctant to, to use it. Indeed, governments of all political persuasions have been very Reluctant to use it over the past 20 years, leaving it all to monetary policy.
0: Right. Well, we have talked about why the Aussie dollar is down so much today, in part because of China and obviously the inflation numbers as well. The the, the Kiwi dollar. Part of that will be, you know, the situation in in, in Japan and their reluctance to to, to move on monetary policy. Uh, But also, interestingly, Taylor Swift apparently has got a bit to do with this, because there's money flowing out of New Zealand to go across to to Australia to pay for Taylor Swift tickets. Uh, I think also, you know, there's talk about Swiftflation. uh, And wouldn't it be amazing if we get to the end of all of this and we actually find the cost of paying for Taylor Swift tickets around the world has caused all of this inflation. And when her tour is over, uh, prices will go back down again. Inflation will disappear. Having a teenage daughter, I I believe that theory, even though it seems rather far. Now, look, uh, today, Aussie retail sales, uh, the RBA will like to see that we've been spending less, presumably, particularly on Taylor Swift concerts, and uh, job vacancies. Uh, they want to see less of those as well.
1: Uh, yes, sir. and I think the job vacancies data is going to be the most interesting there. So at the moment, there's about, for every job vacant, um, there are about 1.2 unemployed people. So um, you could theoretically get a very large reduction in unemployment if those people have the same skills as the jobs uh, that are vacant out there at the moment. So that's incredibly tight. Uh, Prior to the pandemic, it was at three persons. Um, So incredibly Mm -hmm. tight labor market. And really you wanna see signs of that loosening up to be more assured that you're gonna get inflation Back to target. Uh, the other one to look out for is uh, retail sales. They're expected to rise by uh, 0.1%, although our internal data at NAB suggests a little bit of upside risk to that, uh, and we've penciled in 0.3% month on month. The anecdotes amongst the retailers were pretty mixed. Um, so you did hear some pockets of of weakness, but then you saw some pockets of strength coming from other discretionary retailers as well. So it'd be just interesting to see how that eventually. Squares out, but regardless of what happens with retail sales, uh, if inflation remains above target, if it's looking like it's going to be sticky, then the RBA is going to be forced to continue to hike rates until uh, Mm. they see some further signs that inflation is going to start uh, coming back towards target. There,
0: right? German inflation today, also Spain and Belgium. We had Italy's inflation rate yesterday, which fell. A little more than expected, and by little we mean very little indeed. Uh, so we'll see. Obviously, that's all important for the ECB. Although it sounds as though they are intent on uh, a hike next time, come what may. And also, Riksbank will they raise rates today? Well, you know, it's it's the flavour of the month, isn't it? There's some speculation, in fact, that maybe they'll be the next to do a 50 basis point hike. Remembering that, of course, the Norge Bank recently raised by 50 basis points, and Riksbank last September lifted by 100 basis points, and they are blaming healthy corporate profits and. High levels of employment that sounds familiar doesn't it so we'll see what they do today but we'll leave it there for now good to talk tapas cheers thanks phil and that's it for this thursday morning i'm phil dobby for now back again tomorrow see you then